the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Now, as our culture moves away from God, and as our culture moves away from God's Word as authoritative, guess what? Our culture starts to undo many of these distinctions that God has put in place. What do I mean? Well, look at our culture. We are undoing the distinctions in gender, right? Pastor Dan raises awareness today that culture is systematically moving away from God's very order of creation. What's right or wrong? Who says you're male or female? What about marriage? All these things God already commanded into being and said what he said about them. It's his prerogative, not ours. Yet people are still trying to shift those characteristics that speak of his creation. Friends, sin steals all the good that is meant for you through Jesus. Don't blur the lines. Follow God's order. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 1 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. In darkness, the Holy Spirit was at work, brooding over us, if you will. And then God said, let there be light. And he made the light of Jesus Christ shine in our hearts. And he called us out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. And then. And then God went about the business of bringing order to our life. Just as he does here in the creation story. And filling us. Filling, our, filling us with life. Just as he does here. Verse 4 says, And God saw the light, that it was good. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Seven times in chapter 1, God described his creation as, as good. God saw that it was good. As God went through the process of creating, he took pleasure in how well his creation turned out. It was good. And think about that. As God is creating and going through this week and creating, he's saying, oh, this is good. Oh, this is really good. This is good. Good for who? Good for mankind. Good for mankind. Genesis shows us, this opening chapter of Genesis shows us that mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. And everything that God created on the earth, He created for the benefit and blessing of mankind. He created everything here 
for man to enjoy. And so as God is creating, he's saying, oh, this is good. Wait till Adam sees this. He's going to love this. Oh, this is so good. This is going to blow his mind when he sets his eyes upon this. He's going to be so blessed. Now listen, listen. Give me your attention. In chapter 3, we'll get there someday. In chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and they ate the forbidden fruit, Understand, they they didn't just sin against God's command. They sinned against all the goodness that God had provided for them. Their sin ruined the good creation that God had created for them to enjoy that was intended to be a blessing and a benefit to them. And and understand for you and me, when you and I choose to sin, when we choose to disobey God, we're not just sinning against his command. We're sinning against all the goodness and blessing and benefit he's brought into our lives. It, It doesn't just affect our relationship, our fellowship with God. When we sin, quite often it ruins, it mars all the good things. It damages the good things that he has blessed us with. That he has put into your life and my life to be good. That he's, he's looked at your life and my life and said, oh, this is good. He's going to love this. This is going to be such a blessing to him. And then when we sin, we mar all of that. We damage all of that. All the things we love. All the good things. We can lose them by our sin. Now, look at verse 4 again. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now this is, and I want you to note this here. This is important. This is the first thing God does after creating the world. He starts dividing. He starts dividing. First thing he does is he starts dividing. He makes distinctions between things. He distinguishes between light and darkness. As you move through the chapter, you see that he distinguishes between day and night. He distinguishes between land and water. He distinguishes between humans and animals. He distinguishes between man and woman. As we continue on into chapter 2 and chapter 3, he distinguishes between the married and the unmarried. Elsewhere, he distinguishes between God and man, good and evil, holy and profane, parent and child, life and death, so on and so on and so on. He makes all these distinctions in his creation. The distinctions are a fundamental characteristic of God's creation. It's the first thing he does. It is a fundamental characteristic of God's creation and the order of his creation. Now, as our culture moves away from God. And as our culture moves away from God's word. 
as authoritative. Guess what? Our culture starts to undo many of these distinctions that God has put in place. What do I mean? Well, look at our culture. We are undoing the distinctions in gender. Right? Where now gender, uh, there's not just two genders anymore. I found an article that says there's 58 identified genders now. And people are self-identifying and different genders. Well, who established the distinctions between the genders? Who said there's only two genders, male and female? God did. In Genesis. Genesis 1.27, male and female, he created them. But our culture is moving away from God. And so our culture is moving away from these distinctions that God has established in his creation to establish order in his creation. Take marriage. Last few years in our nation, in our culture, we have redefined marriage. Why? Who defined marriage initially? God did. In Genesis, we're moving away from God. And so we're moving away from these distinctions. Uh, there are some in our culture that put animal rights at the same level or even higher than human rights. Why? Who made the distinction between man and animal? God did in Genesis. But we're moving away from God. Do you understand as we are, as a culture, moving away from God, all of these distinctions become blurred. They're all undone. By the culture, because God is the one who established them in Genesis. That's what's happening in our culture. That's why, that's why we're having these kinds of conversations in our culture. Where, where you can have a Hollywood celebrity lecture us on putting milk in our coffee. Right? And how wrong that is. The distinctions are getting blurred. It's a sign that our our culture has moved away from God. God has divided the light from the darkness. And that brings us to verse 5 now. Verse 5. God called the light day. So he's naming now, which speaks of his authority and his sovereignty. And the darkness he called night. So the evening... And the morning were the first day. And so uh, apparently we can assume here uh, that the earth was already rotating on its axis because there was a day and a night on the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, why doesn't it say the morning and the evening were the first day? That's how we would describe it. The reason it says it this way is because there was darkness on the earth first then light. And so you had the evening and then the morning. And by the way, uh, Jewish people today, if you go to Israel, they measure their days from evening to morning because of Genesis chapter 1. So, for example, the Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday night. It begins in the evening because they, based on Genesis 1, they start their day in the evening. They have an evening and a morning. We would say we have a morning and then an evening to describe a day. They're more biblical, <laughs> I guess. 
the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, with the few minutes we have left, I want to just spend some time talking about this word day uh, here in verse 5. And it's used throughout Genesis chapter 1 to describe the days of creation, the first day, second day, third day, and so on. I want to talk about this because this is an important issue. Uh, There are many, as we've said before, there are many who do not take Genesis 1 to be a, a literal historical account of creation. They say that it is allegory and it's metaf- uh, metaphorical. It's not, it's not literal history. It's not a literal six 24-hour days of creation. Uh, and they base a big part of their argument on this word day that is used in Genesis. And they say, this is the argument they make, that this word day can mean more than an ordinary 24-hour day. It can refer to long periods of time, including millions or even billions of years. And therefore, the days of creation, as it's described here, it could be referring to long periods of time or even ages. And so you have these, uh, like, a day-age theory is a popular theory about creation. It's popular among Christians. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. That the days in Genesis are speaking of ages of millions of years or even billions of years. Uh, There's another theory called the framework theory that's also very popular among uh, Christians in churches. The framework theory is basically that the Genesis 1 is all metaphor. It's just a metaphorical framework. It's not literal days. It's just a framework. And within this framework, you could have millions or billions of years. And within this framework, you could have evolution. The evolutionary process taking place within these millions and billions of years. And so what people are doing is they are saying now, well, Genesis and evolution are compatible. Because it's, it's not literal. It's not to be taken uh, literally. And so you can fit you know, what's sometimes referred to as theistic evolution. Maybe God used evolution. Uh, and these now are compatible together. So I want to talk about this word day. And how it's used in the Bible. We want the Bible to interpret the Bible. Because the argument is based on this word day not meaning an ordinary 24-hour day. That's what all of their arguments are based on. It's talking about ages, and it's talking about millions and billions of years. So we want to look at this, and what does the Bible say? How is this word day used in the Bible? Well, first of all, let me say, it is true that this word day in the Hebrew, it's yom, it is true that this word can refer to a time period longer than a 24-hour day. That's true. Uh, you have the day of the Lord. Same word, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a seven-year period. Uh, so it, it, can, it can refer to 
a time period that's longer than an ordinary 24-hour day. However, every time, every time the words evening and morning are used together with the word day, it always means a 24-hour day. Every time you find this word day with evening and morning, it always means a 24-hour day. The evening and the morning are now setting the, the limit of the day. God qualified each of the crea- six days of creation with this phrase, evening and morning. So we could stop right there. That alone shows that this is talking about a literal 24-hour day. We could stop right there, but there's more. This is going to sound like a Ronco commercial here in a minute, but wait, there's more. God also attached a numeral to each day of creation in Genesis 1. So there's the first day of creation, the second day, the third day, fourth day, and so on. The days are numbered in Genesis 1. Whenever a numeral is attached to this word day, it always signifies a literal 24-hour day. Every time. And it's, it, listen to me, it is over 400 times in the Old Testament that this word day appears with a number. It's not once or twice. There's a lot of examples. Every time it is referring to a literal, ordinary, 24-hour day. So, again... Just with that, that shows that this is a regular day. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Whenever this word day, yom, is used sequentially in a series, creating a sequential order, as it does here in Genesis, where you have the first day and the second day and the third day, there's a sequence to it. And every time, it always means an ordinary day. Now, God didn't use just one of these qualifiers for this word day. He used all of these qualifiers to mark off the limits of a day in Genesis 1. It's as if God went out of his way to emphasize to us the chronology and the sequence of the six days of creation. Now, that's, that's, just, that's just here in Genesis. In the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, man's work week is patterned after the creation week. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. And so that's very plain. You're to work six days, and then the seventh day is the Sabbath. You're not to work on the seventh day. Now, where does God get this? The next verse. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. 
So he tells us, he commands us, work six days, rest the seventh day. And the reason is because God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it in six days, and then he rested. If Genesis 1 doesn't mean six ordinary days of creation, well, then this doesn't make sense. What do we do with that then? Uh, You see the same thing over in Exodus chapter 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctified you. You shall keep the Sabbath, Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does not any work on it, that person shall, whoever does any work on it shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days. But the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. It goes on to say, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For, here's why, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Again, the command, work six days and then rest the seventh day. Why? Because in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested. If the six days of creation are ages and millions of years or billions of years for each day, what do we do with our work week? What do you mean we should work six days then? I'm only going to live like 80 years. That's not even one day. The whole thing gets confusing. It doesn't make sense if these were not ordinary 24-hour days. Now, one final point. If God intended that the six days of creation represent long ages of time, he could have used a less confusing Hebrew word here. He could have used a Hebrew word that would be more fitting. There's a Hebrew word, olam, which means a very long period of time, or it can even mean for, forever. God didn't use that word. He used the word yom, which means a day. And he put a bunch of parameters on its meaning so that we would get confused about what he means by a day. So that we would clearly understand a day means a day. And it doesn't mean anything else but a day. And to say that Genesis 1, that the days of Genesis 1 are long periods of time representing millions of years or even billions of years, you have to be dishonest with the text. You have to be dishonest with the text. You you have to ignore what is there. There's nothing in this text that speaks of long ages of time or speaks of evolutionary process over millions of years. We We just read the text together. It's plain. God spoke everything into existence. The text just doesn't allow for millions and billions of years, and it doesn't allow for evolutionary process. If you, you're not getting that from the text. You're reading that into the text. The plain reading of the text is that God created everything in six ordinary days. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest. Cr-
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There will be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.